we really encourage within each of our team meetings, as well as the larger type of team, share what you've got. Hey, have you gotten a newsletter that you're just like, whoa, this just blew off my socks. I ask other leadership, forward them our way, right? That gets inspiration as far as what's the content that's out there? What are others talking about? How do they distribute that within their platform? How do they use promotions within that email and ensure that we have the technology underpinnings to enable success? This is the CMO NGO podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. I'm really excited to have my next guest on. It's the one and only Stefan Lukak. Welcome to the pod. Thank you very much, Joe. We're really excited to be here. Awesome. So let's just dive right into it. Uh, you have a really interesting and awesome uh, work experience in history. So let's just dive right into it. Uh, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah. So so I'll, I'll go way, way, way bit back. Um, quite diverse, as, as you said. Um, even though I don't look it, I know it's a podcast, but you look at me and I'm like, okay, blonde guy, blue eyes and so <laughs> forth. But I'm um, actually born and raised in Mexico. Okay. Um, my, my family um, kind of moved there after their studies. Um, I was born there, pretty much grew up there till I was 18. Um, mm-hmm. So fascinating to kind of have that as, as, as my base. From there, I went to university in the U.S., um, finished university after a couple of years. Uh, and then... I majored in anthropology. And as my father said, probably with more colorful language, what do you do with an anthropology degree? And I kind of asked myself, well, yeah, what does one do with an anthropology degree? And what anthropology is, again, you think anthropology, and there's the difference between anthropology, archaeology, and so forth. Anthropology is the study of cultures. And what better way to study cultures than to understand brands? Because brands is the modern way to create your sense of identity of what you associate yourself with and who you are revolves around the notion of brands. Um, and, and caught that a little bit early in, in kind of my studies. And I was like, well, let me get a little bit more into media studies and a little bit into advertising um, and, and ended up uh, interning at an uh, advertising agency out of Boston, Arnold Worldwide. They had just kind of come up with with their, their classic Cabrio um, TV spot. I think if if any of you remember this way 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 back, um, the Cabrio was was a convertible uh, Volkswagen car. The spot was just beautiful of these guys driving around, you know, looking at stars and and evocative type of music and great type of cinematography. And and um, Arnold was just coming, you know, finishing that. A lot of the work that they were doing with Royal Caribbean with um, the Truth anti smoking camp. Campaign, um, so I, I kind of came on board on their digital side, um, working you know in trafficking, which is basically just just moving things around. It was interesting to start there because digital was just starting. It was all about making landing pages or, or, or microsites and stuff like that. And we worked with some really cool, innovative type of stuff. But it was it was fascinating to get my toes wet in in that. And from there. Worked on a variety of agencies from uh, Boston and then to Mexico. Mexico moved um, back to, to Canada um, or to Canada to, to do my MBA, got my MBA at McGill. Um, still always within the digital space. Uh, that, 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 and, and the theme 
is helping organizations that are primarily very print-based. Um, so let's say that they focus on flyer, they focus on uh, um, yellow pages, and helping them transition to uh, the digital type of realm. And that transition can be moving towards uh, uh, search ads. As, as in the case when I worked at TD Insurance, TD Insurance was firmly rooted in, in Yellow Pages. Yellow Pages is the main way that you find out about your insurance. Oh, I need home insurance. What do I do? I look it up in the Yellow Pages. Um, again, back in the days and back in the early um, 2000s, it, it was, um, hey, how do you help an organization transition from something that they're firmly rooted? It works really well. We know that it works towards this search thing. And search thing sort of was strange, was different, was... Let, let, let's try that out. Oh my gosh, this performs really well. Oh my God, this performs incredibly well. And you know, within two years, you shift the budget entirely from a print-based approach to, to a digital type of approach. So I'd say that's a, a continual type of theme for me, And whether I was at TD, definitely at Best Buy. Um, and now as, as marketing director at Indochino, as strange and as funny as it sounds, I'm actually moving it in the opposite direction. And what do I mean by that? During COVID, we saw a lot of um, organizations moving towards the e-com space. Um, there, there's definitely advantages. Obviously, you're stuck at home. There's nothing you can do. Amazon e-com was the only way that you could really go. Um, and I saw the opportunity that as the pendulum swung towards that side of only e-com, there's a huge opportunity right now within the brick-and-mortar type of space. And Indochino um, is at I'd say at the forefront of capturing that that pendulum as it swings back, as we're all been cloistered in our house, we've been ordering on Amazon or, or you know an e- e-com site for the longest time, and quite frankly, we're sick of that as cust- uh, consumers. We're, we're we're tired of having that that one unidimensional type of experience, and we're looking for that experiential. I want to go to the mall. I want to go to a showroom. I want to go and touch and feel and see and and interact with that. And there's 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 this this almost primal need to return to that. Um, and Indochino does such a great job of that. Um, within the showroom type of experience, to be able to see the fabric that you're going to get, to have that interaction with 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 somebody to to. Um, get that custom type of fitting and, and really what I'm looking for to discuss that style. That's something that an online experience can't do. Um, and so much of my work right now is, is showcasing that, talking about that and, and, and um, yeah, communicating that, that huge value prop um, that, that, that we're providing with an Indochino brand. Oh, that's an amazing journey. I didn't, I didn't know that you spent a few years in Mexico. Do you speak Spanish at all? Or? <laughs> I do, fluent in Spanish. Okay, in Spanish. okay. Yeah. Wow, wow. Much, uh, much respect there. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting that you mentioned that the pendulum is almost swinging back to more traditional, experiential uh, type marketing. Uh, perhaps for the listeners that don't really know too much about Indochina, but I'm sure they've seen uh, the brick and mortar locations. But could you maybe describe uh, what Indochino does or... Yeah. So Indochino is a made-to-measure uh, suiting company, primarily suiting. Uh, again, here, here the notion is, uh, let's say I'm, I have a wedding that's coming up, right? Traditional approach is you go to, to a ready-made t- type of suit, but it never fits perfectly well, right? Um, what we provide in an Indochino at, at a low cost um, you, you really get a made-to-measure type of experience. So that, that, that's your, your, your blazer, your vest, your pants, um, custom-made to, to your particular you know, one size and, and two style. 
um, w- w- what's exciting again about the experience is that you go into our showrooms, you can kind of explain to our, our style guide, hey, I, I, I'm looking for, you know, a tighter, more trendy type of fit, or you know what, I'm looking for a classic type of fit. I'm, I'm a lawyer, I'm looking for just the standard approach, but I want to look good at this. And style guides really, you know, attuned to that. Um, the other, you know, really advantage is, is you can pick and choose the fabrics. Uh, you can choose, pick and choose the linings of the inside from monogramming that we have to the buttons that are used to the sewing um, that, that's done. All of that can be customized, right? And so, again, off the rack, you get what you get. Yes, you take into the tailor and that's it. But Made to Measure really provides that custom type of experience. And as we're all looking for different ways to um, talk about our, ourselves and, and, and accentuate one thing about, about ourselves, the, the opportunity to be able to customize uh, 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 your your clothing like that, I think, is a real, really unique uh, differentiator, and and really why why I'm so excited about the Indochino brand. Oh, that's amazing! I actually have a few weddings coming up, so definitely have to uh, check you guys out. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's wedding season. Uh, speaking of weddings, actually, I see you guys are partner or have some partnerships with a lot of. Uh, uh, sporting brands like Trevor Lawrence and uh, Travis Kelsey. What are your What are your thoughts on like influencer marketing in general? Uh, have you Is it working well for you guys? What What have you experienced in the past? Yeah, I, I think at Indochino we've had some great success within within the influencer marketing, also partnerships is really the way we think about it. Um, it's finding the right type of match at the right type of place, right? I think our most recent big, big win was the LA Rams. Um, we uh, found an opportunity with them to suit up a few of their rookies, but mostly it's it's the the, the, the staff within the, the the stadium itself and and um, some of the kind of corporate um, team members, and r- really use that as as an opportunity to partner with a, a sports organization. Um, and as they kind of made their way up within the NFL, and then they got to, to semifinals and then finals, and we were at the ed- edge of our seat, making it all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, a, a little bit of that is being at the right time at the right place, but it's also finding the right type of partner to to, to kind of work with. Um, so really, really pleased with with our partnership with the Rams. We're continuing to grow and expand that. I'm not going to give too much away, but but yeah, it, it, excited about some again of the customizations that we're going to be working with them shortly, um, and and that will only continue, right? So really open and, and excited uh, uh, about um, where and how that 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 will will continue to grow, grow and expand. Uh, really, it's finding the right time, the right place, uh, and, and finding that, that the key type, type of person to, to uh, help them feel that confidence around putting on a suit. Now, that could be a wedding. That could be a draft pick. That could be you know a variety of types of situations. And I think we've done a great job of finding those key moments in your life where you need a suit, where you need formal wear to kind of help you um, feel that sense of confidence, um, combine that with, with with that notion of made to measure that that I think is, you know, quite well attuned to to um, the the athlete bodies, right? A lot of times you'll you'll have these big football players or, or, or tall basketball stars that are just like ah nothing fits me. Well, you know, the advantage of made to measure, we can make it to fit to to, to your particular needs. I could definitely relate to that as a former athlete myself. It's always hard to find the just right fit of uh, of a suit. So no, that's that's awesome to hear. Um, speaking of influencer marketing, uh, 
that's always in the tool belt of many marketers. Uh, is there any other tactics uh, that you find really exciting at the moment? Any really exciting trends you see in marketing? Um, I'd say that there are two. Um, one, you know, not not to, to um, push this too much, but the podcast space. Um, I know that this is a podcast, and I, I, you know, I, I, this, I, I mean this to be very organic. We've seen some great success on the podcast realm. Um, one, I think it is a testament of, of kind of the COVID uh, experience that as we're commuting less, moving inside and, and looking for some sort of entertainment that doesn't require us looking at a screen, podcast, I think, has seen a great, great, great rise. And so, too, has, has the success that we've seen um, within the podcast type of space. Um, Right now, we, we, we've worked a lot in traditional type of podcast relationships. We're working towards programmatic as the space continues to grow and mature. Um, programmatic and the ability to dynamically insert ads into uh, a podcast type of experience becomes more possible. In the past, it wasn't, and now it is. Um, and we're seeing great, great opportunities in that. Uh, the other space would be, I would call video um, and also video distribution. And, and uh, video will continue to be um, important. Uh, vertical video, I think, is, is definitely the growing type of trend in your distribution platforms for that. Our TikToks, you know, the big hot one right now. Reels is, you know, close follow on, on that. Um, and, and the other thing that we're, we're, we're exploring and, you know, really pleased about is um, the CTV realm. Uh, CTV is connected televisions and, and the opportunity there uh, to to move towards a programmatic space and, and and to grow and expand and have a brand message that drives awareness, but coupled with the strong measurability capabilities of, of the online realm is really, really exciting. Again, as smart TVs start to pervade our everyday life and we kind of have them, and yes, you have your standard, you know, uh, uh, Netflix and Hulu and Disney and so forth, but that there's this other very long tail type of channels that are starting to have their own type of custom programming. CTV is a great and, and exciting space that, that, that we're exploring and seeing some great results coming out of. Awesome. As a marketer myself, obviously, you know, digital marketing is always very dynamic, always fast moving, new things pop up, other things go away. Uh, how do you stay on top of everything? Like what sort of things do you do to make sure you're in front of new new trends and new uh, new channels that pop up that's that's a great question always um tricky to to um keep up uh combination of of creating a culture of sharing within my team and with, with other team members uh we really encourage within each of our team meetings um as well as the larger uh, type of team share what you've got Hey, have you gotten a newsletter that you're just like, whoa, this this just blew off my, my socks? Um, I, I ask other leadership for them our way, right? That gets inspiration as uh, as far as what's the content that's out there? What are others talking about? How do they distribute that within their platform? How do they use promotions within um, that 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 email? Um, when it comes to to the whole Martech technology, is just keeping an ear to to the ground, um, open to a wide range of, of kind of discussions. So it's a combination of uh, participating in, in events where you're able to, to dialogue with other leaders and what are you using? Oh, that's interesting. What are you using? That's really interesting. Uh, and then lastly, just keep, keeping an ear on, on the ground on, on um, I'd, I'd call it industry, industry publications. 
right? I, I can't subscribe to everything. I can't, you know, re- read every single blog, but I, I do try to keep my ear on the ground and see what's going on as far as trends from a privacy perspective. How and where does California's new privacy law um, affect marketers? How will the upcoming cookie apocalypse uh, potentially <laughs> a- affect advertisers? And, you know, how can we as an advertiser um, get ready for that and, and ensure that we have the technology underpinnings to, to uh, enable success. Mm-hmm. One question I do always love to ask all my guests that come on the podcast uh, is what's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? It's hmm, an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe what's what's maybe something that is, has your curiosity right now that's really top of mind. You're really cool. curious about. Good. Well, one thing that's 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 top of mind, um, and I alluded to it, is the notion of privacy. Right. I think privacy within the online space is a hot topic. The the ongoing legislation, whether it's in Canada, with the U.S., whether it's in the EU, wherever, will be an ongoing type of topic. And I think underpinning all of that is the exchange of value that occurs of me sharing my data to somebody else and somebody else monetizing my own data. As an advertiser, my goal is to maximize the value of that for a customer. Now, I really stress the maximize that value. It's not about getting the customer the cheapest CPA. It's how can I find the right customer to inform them of the value props of my brand, Indochino, and find the right customer at the right time at the right place. The challenge is that there are these frustrating intersections that occur of one, you know, frequency of the ad is one thing that, that, that just bugs me like crazy. That, that even though I'm giving off signals saying, hey, I'm interested in this, the frequency of the ads is too much. So when I'm in LinkedIn, I am overwhelmed by some ads from advertisers just because I gave this one signal. And it's frustrating. Like, how do I opt out of that? How do I have better control of my data that is being monetized? And, you know, the reality is you can't escape that, but it, it is something that I would like more control of. The other more longer term is I strongly believe of of a new value system needs to be developed within the larger internet ecosystem. That value system that we have right now is that, hey, you can use our platform to look for things, to see my feed, to see what's what's going on. And you do that in exchange, I don't think is a long-term viable type of business model. Um, I'm giving away my, my data and my data is quite valuable. And I want something in exchange. And to a certain degree, the services that I get will work for some time, but but I think we are going to come to a point where that balance isn't met and the customer is going to say, no, I'm not willing to give up my data and the value of my data unless you give me more. Now, that more might be actually monetary, and I'd like to see more of that in the upcoming future. And one of the ways, at least it really has kind of piqued my interest, and again, very conceptual here, Joe, right? How and where does this come to, to, to mind? It, it, it is along the notions of, of um, uh, sorry, the right term is not cryptocurrency. It's um, uh, the underpinnings within cryptocurrency is 
uh, blockchain. Sorry, blockchain. Uh, the, the the word that I'm looking for is blockchain. Blockchain is a decentralized way to track information through a common type of key. Right, cryptocurrency uses that, and they're all that buzz are, are around cryptocurrency. I think underpinning the, the notion of blockchain is that opportunity to put your data into a blockchain, demonstrate the value of that, and then have advertisers bid, ask, and determine the value of that, and then have that monetization back to the initial customer so that they, they, they can you know, gain great, greater value of the data that they, they, they choose to share. Creating a system like that is, is I think, you know, overwhelming. There, there are a few companies that you know, I've, I've toyed around with. Brave Browser is a good example of that, that, that I've tried it and seen it, and nope, not there. It's, it's, it, there's a lot that still needs to be worked through. But I think as we think about the next iteration of the web, people throw the buzzwords of web 3.0 and and so forth. One of those underpinnings is a greater management of my data, removing the opportunity for advertisers and publishers to monetize on my data as much. And for me as a customer to to take that, 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 that data um, and and value of my data e- even more. Um, I know for as an advertiser, that's terrifying, right? It means that I don't have the same type of tools. And I would say quite the opposite. If as an advertiser, I'm able to reach somebody more effectively, and I'm able to exchange the value of their information more effectively through you know highly sophisticated uh, system like a blockchain, I th- I think it's it's a win win. Because you're you're almost taking away those middlemen, middle people that that, that are there, and having that direct relationship with, with with the customer. It's brand and customer. That right now there are tons of middlemen that are there, and you're bringing the two of them closer. And I think that's exactly what brands and advertisers are looking for. But um, to create something like that, I I don't know where to start. You know, I think the great minds are thinking about that to to a degree, but it does in a way re- require a new world order almost of, of the way that things work, you know, the, the, the big, you know, pillars of, of much of our digital ecosystem might not have that much of a, a play in that. And, you know, is it advantageous to them from a business perspective to pursue this? No, but, but I think customers are looking for that, are looking for, you know, a, a new and exciting future. Mm. Yeah, it's it sounds like a very much uh, complex issue that needs to be unpacked, and hopefully, uh, in the future, we can find a solution to that. Uh, speaking of Web three and Web two, uh, as an advertiser, and I guess Web two right now, what sort of platforms are, have you seen the best ROI, if you will, or your favorite platforms to advertise on? Um, I, I think the standard, you know, search is a great one. Um, social media, the the the, the whole Facebook uh, platform um, continues to do well, that, that despite some of some of the challenges for, from the the iOS um, perspective. Um, not much has changed on that front, right? And I think just that notion of not much has changed. I mean, you think about it. What what's the last amazing product that you saw coming out? of of you know the search or or or, or social front tiktok 
I think is 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 one, and that's you know newish type of platform. But besides that, it it is I think getting to a point where new products are harder to find. The growth and evolution of this is harder, and and it, it is more of an uphill battle for um, these platforms to find something new, to find something different, uh, to to one differentiate themselves. And a, as an advertiser, so too it's it's challenging to find what what works. So we're not seeing. Um, radical revolutions in in our our advertising uh, tactics. Instead, it's it's slow, gradual evolutions. So, it's finding ways to optimize your existing campaigns. Um, you know, if your CPA was was ten dollars, well, now it's eight dollars. No, you're not. In the past, you can move from a hundred dollar CPA down to ten dollars. That's great. You know, everybody's super excited, and then you shift funds. We're not going to be seeing that anymore. Right. So instead, as an advertiser, it's a slowdown to a degree of, of our capability to um, drive greater ROI. And I think a challenge for marketing organizations, whereas it, marketing groups, whereas in the past, you're like, whoa, you're a great driver. I see that over the next two, three years, it will be more challenging to do the same type of success that you did in the past, right? COVID for some organizations accelerated that move and you can throw funds towards one tactic and you do great for one year, two years, but to comp what you did in COVID or post-COVID will be very challenging. And so I think the road for marketers is, is a steep one um, and challenging as, as privacy and signal loss continues. Um, but one, I think that that's also exciting because it means we need to buckle down. We need to go back to basics. We need to go back and say, okay, what's worked? How do we continue to iterate on, on what's worked? Um, and that you know, crazy type of growth that we've seen in the past, I, I don't think will be as attainable. Um, but but still excited to, to to see what we can do to to continue those more uh, incremental moves rather than revolutionary type of moves that we've seen in the past. One of the things you mentioned previously on the pod was blockchain and Web three, and just out of curiosity, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but I'm just curious what's what are your thoughts on this new thing called NFTs and uh, how do you think uh, brands and other online um, yeah, brands could leverage that, that uh, technology? I, I think the fundamental underpinnings of this, again, are a new way of exchanging value, right? And, and I think between NFTs, blockchain, cryptocurrency, all of them are finding different ways to exchange value. That's a good thing, right? It's it's moving from let's say cryptocurrency. It's moving from banks that that are the holders of value towards diversified type of groups that that hold that values. Um, NFTs. It's it's no longer again. Let's call it museums or, or or large brokerage groups that have that. Now anybody can can create. A piece of art or something and assign value and then let the market determine that value. So underpinning all of this is a change in, in, in value. Uh, and that's different for us as, as kind of a human race, right? That the way that we're attuned and the way that we're thinking about things is is fundamental. You go to these, you know, uh, institutions and and a, a lot of blockchain it thinks about uh moving away from the power of institutions and giving it uh, empowering individuals to do that and and I feel that one of those those underpinnings or themes is 
that democratization. Again, the 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 way that I, I see it, again, I, I make that making that allusion to, to pendulum, web 1.0 was that notion of democratizing of, oh, wow, the power of HTML and I, I can code my own web page. 2.0 came on and, and made that easier, but made that easier with the underpinnings of large, big groups that made it easier. The Googles, the Facebooks, the, the, the um, you know, uh, blogs that, 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 that are able to do that. And now, but it, it did that to such a degree that it gravitated towards these big, big, big types of organizations. And now I think the pendulum is moving back in the other direction where we want to decentralize. We want to give power to the everyday Joe and have them control their data, control their money, control um, their, 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 their art or what we deem of, of, of value and, and move it away from, from larger institutions. Um, that's good, but then that becomes decentralized, lack of control, lack of, of quality and, and, and so forth. And so then probably the pendulum will move back and forth. That, that's just the natural ebbs and flows that, 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 that happen with, within the world. But I think we, we are due for that course correct. We are due for that opportunity to have the pendulum move from, you know, these big corporate organizations towards, you know, the everyday type of Joe. And, and again, my opinion is data is, is a big underpinning uh, around much of that. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the pendulum is always swinging and it's interesting to see how it's swinging back uh, with Web3. Um, yeah, I really appreciate your time, uh, Stefan. I only have a couple more questions here for you. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask was, what are you proud of that maybe we haven't touched on so far in the podcast interview? Um, I think personally, I'd, I'd call it trying to find the right word here it's not so much the the, the challenge of the immigrant um and and what do i mean by that um again born and raised in mexico i've come to canada and, and moved from canada from quebec to, to vancouver and and while i i feel and identify as as a canadian i still think of myself as international a little bit of mexico a little bit of the u.s a little bit of 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 kind of Canada. And as, you know, an, an, an immigrant, and it's strange that I still think of myself as an immigrant because I have a nationality, I have a place that, that I've come, come from. There are still those, those challenges that, that one faces as, as somebody new, right? And, and I see that with friends. I see that with colleagues. Um, what's fascinating about the Canadian landscape is that many people have that immigrant type of uh, mentality and approach. And that mentality approach is one word to describe it as hustle. Immigrants hustle. And there is that, that need to provide to your kids coming from a place that you didn't have much to a place that has more. And you want to kind of create that, that environment for, for your family, for yourself. Um, and, and I see that hustle much more within that immigrant type of group. And, and one, one thing that, that's proud of my, myself is, you know, when I came to, to, to Canada, I came here as a student. Um, and there were some times that it was rough. I didn't know if I was going to make rent. I didn't know if I was going to be able to kind of um, pay the grocery bill for, for, for my kid at the time and, and my wife. And, and, and it was challenging. Um, and, and there were six months where it was touch and go. 
And, you know, was I going to have to reach out to, to family and be like, hey, can you loan me some money to, 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 to kind of go through that? And, and, and you, you, you hustle, you work harder, you push harder. And, and you know, with that, it's, it's, you know, finally internship came through. And the internship paid for, for, for a little bit more. And the internship turned into a job. And the job turned into a better job. And, and you know, now as, as, as a, a marketing director, uh, you know, am I there? Have I made a goal? No, definitely not. But, but definitely as, as I look back to, you know, the 16 years ago when, when I just kind of came to Canada as an immigrant, it, it was hard. It was challenging. And, and you know, just spoke with, with a friend who's in that similar type of situation. Somebody that I knew in seventh grade, and we reconnected recently. You know, he just moved to to to, to Canada, um, and is going through the same type of struggles and t- same type of challenges. And and you know, in Spanish we see "animo," um, and "animo" is is um, you've got this, or or you 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 can do it. You can do it. It's "animo we," and and that that's my message. That's my 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 you know um, call to, to 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 everyone that that's. That's there to the immigrants, to those that are just pulling themselves up, um, animals to make it happen. Do the hustle, Stefan. You're giving me goosebumps over here. <laughs> no, I could totally relate. Uh, as an immigrant myself as well, I, I moved to Canada when I was uh, about eight years old, and I definitely feel I have that hustle bone in my body when it comes to just professionally and personally. Just always hustle and always have that optimistic uh, spirit that everything's going to be, everything's going to be okay. Just keep going. Like you said, animal. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there's the, the power with that, right? You, you see that with, with the explosion of Toronto nowadays, right? It is that immigrant group that just wants something better that wants to, to push, to drive. And, and, um, you know, New York times mentioned that article on, 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 uh, uh, about Toronto and how the Toronto tech scene is just exploding. AI is huge. And, and I think one of the reasons behind that is Canada's policy around immigrants, right? And, and making it more open. I think the recent that I heard is by 2013, you know, they're trying to bring, sorry, 2023, Canada's trying to bring in 1.3 million new immigrants. That's the population of Ottawa. Yeah. That is the population of Ottawa in the next two years. And I think that is a great type of policy because it's really immigration that will continue to drive the success of this country. And so, too, I hope, hope that other countries find, find a similar type of approach because it is that hustle of immigrants that, you know, built the U.S. Um, back in the days. And I think to a degree, we're starting to see how that's starting to build much of the Canadian economy. I love it. I love it. Where can their uh, listeners connect with you online? Um, LinkedIn is a great place. Uh, look me up, Stefan Lukak. Um, I'm, I'm blessed with, with a last name that isn't that common. So I, I'll, I'll usually uh, kind of jump there. Um, on a more personal note, I've, I've, uh, you know, my, my Instagram's there. It's, it's, you'll, you'll see tons of pictures of my family. Um, and my latest is my daughter is, has started her own Instagram of my dog. And <laughs> embarrassing as it is, here I am in, 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 in digital marketing. Um, she is past 
um, you know, I, I'll get like 50 likes for every one of my posts. She's started this channel for my dog and now she's like at 500 likes of my dog. And I was like, how do you do this? Like, this is crazy. Kid. You need to hire you, her. I totally need to hire her. Right. I, I've been looking at, at the pin. I'm like, Oh my God, it, how do you do this? Yes. My dog is cute. And maybe it's just that, that, that dogs on the internet just get a lot of likes, but I, I think I'm going to have to hire my daughter next. <laughs> no, I love that. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, Stefan. Uh, the time just flew by and I really appreciate you sharing uh, your marketing insights and also your personal stories as well. Cool. Well, really, really appreciate the time. Though. Awesome. And I love to end the podcast with one last question. It's a marketing and branding podcast. And my last question to you, Stefan, is uh, what is one word or phrase that you use to describe Stefan Lukacs brand? I would say passionate. Right, I, I, I'm a passionate person about anything that that, that I do, and and I think people that have worked with, with with me know that whether it's in my early morning stand-ups or in in, in talks and discussions, you know, uh, uh, Stefan de- definitely you know ha- has has that passionate drive, and I think that's what wakes me up every morning, what get, gets me going, and 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 um, yeah, I'm just a, a a passionate fan of of whether it's the brand, it's technology, the opportunities that that we have. Hi, I'm Stefan Lukak, and you're listening to Joe Momo Presents. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.